The wine has all been emptied, and the smoke has cleared. As people file to the valley on the last night of life's party, these days the years thin till I can't remember just what it feels like to be young forever. I'm growing old on Magic Mountain. Father John Misty We've hit that cold time of year, and it feels like it's been a hundred years since we were here just a few months ago. It's actually my favorite range of temperature outside, and has been for a few weeks. Aside from that snowy, windy day we got out of nowhere, I prefer the cold of the heat, but not that. My apartment handles cold much better as well, and now that the temperature in my abode is highly controllable, I'm going to make wine. Two things about this process I'd like to say before I dive into it. First, I've never made wine before. Now I've come close, I've made cider with wine yeast, and I have an amateur amount of brewer's experience. That aside, the second thing I want to say is that I dreamed up this particular recipe. I'm going to be making a juniper mint wine that was the specialty of a mountain village I chanced upon in my wandering ways. Have you ever had a dream that felt like weeks had gone by since you last opened your eyes? A dream real enough that you're confused for just a breath, or leaves you with a sense of where am I when you wake? I have them once or twice a year, and they always leave me with a profound sense of change in my life. A deep inspiration of sorts that I can't really describe, but I can tell you about this dream. The first part jumped around a lot, like dreams often do, but I was the same me throughout the whole dream. That me being this particular dream world's version of the real me. I looked like me, sounded like me, I was me. I just had the memories of this particular world. Memories, trinkets, stories, a life in this world. That life took me wandering the world with a big backpack filled with all of my goods. I traveled from place to place, doing odd jobs and existing with a feeling, a need for constant motion. In that dream, I couldn't stay in a place for more than a month, or something bad would happen to me. I remember that much. I could return and revisit, but there was a period of time that needed to pass before I could wander back in. It was a long time, a set number of years, I believe. To begin the important part of the story, I had been on the road for about three days, having recently departed a small city by the lake. I had stayed only about ten days there. The work of drying fish at the end of their biggest season had, well, dried up, and I couldn't find anything else short-term sustainable, so I began my walk once more. There were cars in this world, but they were owned only by the richest of the rich, or were reserved for emergency vehicles and shipping companies. Most people and goods still traveled by horse or train, and with the problem of monetary stability constantly nipping at my heels, I had forgone both. When I had first set out from town, I asked the first traveler passing by where the nearest city to the west was, and he gave me two options. Follow the river southwest towards the sea, where I would come across a great number of smaller communities, but it would be a long time before I reached any city proper. Or, I could travel northwest over the mountain, where I would encounter nothing for over a week, but a city whose name I recognized would await me. I thanked the man and stared at the road. The mountain seemed particularly inviting, completely covered in tall trees whose leaves were still holding strong their green in the dying throes of summer. So I hiked towards the mountains. After a few days, those same three days I mentioned earlier, I came across a part of the road that was familiar to me in real life. It's a trail that I hike almost annually, and now when I hike it, I can point out the exact path I took in my dream, as well as the exact place where the road almost invisibly forked into a small mountain town. In the dream, I almost walked right past it. In fact, 
because the buildings blend with the rocks and trees so well, if I hadn't heard the sound of people, I would have had no idea that humans lived there at all. I turned down onto what was their main road, the same dirt and rock I had been walking on with no sign of paving at all. The path took me through an entryway, made of trees bent and bound together to form a large gate. Once through the gate, I was surprised. I couldn't believe the size of the town, and the fact that I couldn't see it at all from the road made me do a double-take. The first building after the gate had a series of tables and chairs surrounding its doors, and I could smell food from within. The people of the town were very kind. In fact, the proprietor of the establishment and I became friends during my time there. A jovial fellow named Match. A trivulescent fellow, which is a local term for friendly, eccentric, and speaks with their whole body and reserves nothing when speaking to an acquaintance. One of my first conversations in town was with Match, wherein I inquired about work. He told me, in a kind fashion, not to worry about it. He said I could stay in his spare room for free so long as I kept out of trouble and left in three days. In fact, most of the people I met that first day were very kind, but ended in the request that I stay only a set time. It was some kind of local law. I agreed, of course, and spent my first few hours walking the dirt roads of the small town. Everyone I met was eager to greet a traveler and wished to hear of my wanderings. So that evening, at Match's place, I sat at the bar and told them my Chris Curry brand stories in my Chris Curry brand style. As the night grew long and only a few people remained, they started telling me their stories, specifically the storied history of their small town and about Queen Rule, a wolf spirit who used to kill humans and steal their children in order to raise them as her own. Those children grew up and founded the town in the place where she had spirited them away. They said that that is why travelers here were only permitted to stay so long. Queen Rule doesn't like it when people get too cozy without her invitation. The locals had paid for my dinner for my story, and when I expressed my love for their story of their town, the old man who told it bought me a bottle of wine to keep me company during my stay. The wine was a juniper mint that tasted like the smell of the mountain on a rainy day. The last few stragglers of the restaurant and I drank and sang quiet songs and bonded. When it finally wound down completely, I asked Match if there was a place to stay, and he told me about a local bathhouse which was locked at that hour. A particularly delightful lady named Aaliyah, or simply Ollie, who had been sharing song and drink with us, overheard my question and told me she knew a place and offered to walk me there. Match gave me a wink and a thumbs up and said he'd leave the door to my room unlocked. As Ollie and I walked the town, well past its bedtime, we laughed as quietly as we could. She showed me a place where the spring that feeds the town diverts and runs into a small hot spring, the same hot spring that feeds the bathhouse its warm water. She sat against a nearby tree, and we continued our conversation as I soaked in the not-as-hot-as-I-would-have-hoped water. As I was getting out, she told me that the story of the wolf was real, and she showed me a scar she had on her shoulder, back, and chest. It was as if a giant wolf had picked her up by its teeth when she was young. She told me that every few years or so, they'd find a child at the gates with the queen's mark. The kid would have no memory of where they came from, but would be warmly welcomed by the town. My second day there was spent helping a few of the locals with odd jobs, cleaning the restaurant with match, moving wine barrels with the old man, scrubbing a large pot used to heat extra water at the bathhouse, and even repairing the roof of the house that belonged to Ollie and her friends. All of the work was done for free or favors, as the town had a unique currency I knew I couldn't take elsewhere. I didn't mind, though. I actually had a sizable savings, but new winter was around the corner, and work, travel, and food would all become scarce in the winter, which has the tendency to eat at one's savings. 
thoughts like that never came up while I was in that town. That night, I tried to convince Match and Ollie to sneak into the bathhouse after another night of stories and mountain wine. Match didn't come. He left me with another wink and thumbs up, so Ollie and I soaked in individual wooden tubs suspended in a terraced row and with real hot water. We laughed as she told me what it was like growing up on the mountain. The old lady who ran the place caught us, but just laughed and told us to keep it down. On my last day, I thanked everyone who had shared stories with me. I gave Match a trinket from my bag, a white piece of coral that I had found on the beach a year or so ago, a thing to remember me by. He gave me another bottle of the wine and told me to come back around sometime. I told him I would. Ollie and I hugged, and she said she would miss me. She asked if I could stay until sunset, but I told her that walking up the mountain in the dark was too dangerous, and she knew I couldn't stay another night. I stayed until just after lunch. We hugged again, and she smiled as I walked out through the gate of bound trees. Not ten minutes out of town, just as the hike was beginning to turn into a bit of a climb, I spotted something through the trees. It was a long distance away from me, but there was no mistaking its enormous size. A gray wolf so big that it might have been able to swallow me whole stared at me with all three of its eyes. It was baring its teeth, but wasn't growling. In fact, it made no noise at all as it followed me for a mile or so to the peak of the mountain. I didn't feel afraid the entire walk, nor when I camped that night. A few days later, when I made it to the city, a man who saw me come down off the mountain ran up to greet me. He asked if I came from all the way over the mountain, and I told him I had stayed in a small town close to the peak. He told me that the town was cursed, and almost nobody makes it over the mountain safely, but he looked me up and down before adding that those who do are said to be extremely lucky. The dream went on with me taking a job to go into an abandoned hotel and retrieve some boxes that have been left there, but that is neither here nor there. Thanks again for listening. I know it was just another episode about some wacky dream I had, but it was more than that to me. It was something I lived through in a way. I woke up with those memories of the place I had stayed in my dream. The sights and the smells and the taste of wine I am about to try my best to recreate. I'll let you know how it goes. I'm hoping that it tastes like... The smell of the mountain after it rains.